the global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We've got... Dennis Lankus and Brian Watson with us. And I'm not going to tell you what their titles are. I am going to make you wait because I'm going to be that bitch today. Anyway, I want to get started with how are you? And I'm going to go to you, Brian, first. And I don't want to hear about your work. I want to hear about you as a human. Me as a human, uh, I'm doing really good. This has been a, a great year. We have a, a new baby. So it's been a full year of learning what it's like to be dad and uh, mm-hmm. getting all that figured out. And it's uh, obviously a big adjustment, but like the best thing in the world, you know, is talking to a friend. I always am like, I could never have explained fatherhood to myself mm-hmm. before fatherhood, but it's like you get, you commit to ride the wave and then the wave is awesome, you know? And so um, oh, it's, it. it's been a really uh, fun year. Lots going on, lots of changes and good changes and it's summertime. Sleeping? Yeah, it depends. It's like never the same. So it varies like week by week, day by day sometimes. But this last week, we just got our first couple like bike rides in. So she's like now on like a little seat in the, in the front oh, of the bike. Cute. And then we got a tow behind trailer and... It's like summertime and we'll like ride downtown and grab drinks after work and bring Eva and it's awesome. Oh, that sounds amazing. Dennis, what about you? How are you? You know, it's it's always tough following Brian Watson. He's <laughs> is the most optimistic person I know, one of the most fun people to be around. So I'm going to have to go the other direction. I am recovering. I'm coming out of mm. seasonal depression here in mm. uh, in Colorado. It has been an uncharacteristically dark winter and, and you know, spring. But the sun's finally out. So yeah. I'm smiling again, finally. I'm not as grumpy as I have been. Mm-hmm. But I also have a teenage daughter that's about to turn 18. Mm. So similar to Brian, but in a very different fashion, my life is about to change completely. <laughs> And I'm I'm struggling with whether or not I'm ready to deal with that or not. Mm. So, but, but parenthood, yeah, it's a thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for both for being so real. I love that. Like, it's not all awesome and we're not all great all the time. And that's why I asked that question because I'm trying to like put out into the light that like we suffer from depression too sometimes. And you know, we've got a loneliness epidemic and ridiculous suicide rates. So I'm always like, let's just talk about how we actually are, not how your work is, not how other things are. Like, how are you? Are you getting what you need to survive? Because it's not always easy. So that's why I asked. Okay. Thanks for asking. Real quick, I want to I want to add one thing about that, especially mm-hmm. since, you know, men are probably the worst at this. The sh- I, I'll, I'll spread some light on this. The shorter the answer in response to how am I doing? the more likely that I'm struggling. <laughs> I love true. that insight. Great it's insight. I, I, I really, I would, I would challenge anybody to tell me that, that I'm wrong about that. But, I, but that's been my experience from, from my other mm-hmm. you know, fellow men. I feel like women are, are, are much better at expressing where they're at at any given moment. Mm-hmm. But when you ask a, a male, our default mm-hmm. reaction is, oh, I'm doing great. I think there's even a meme out there Mm-hmm. Like movie scenes where guys are asking guys mm-hmm. how they're doing, and mm-hmm. the answer in almost every movie is, "Oh, I'm doing good. I'm mm-hmm. great." You know, yeah, so yeah. The, sh- that's, the shorter that's the cool. answer, the the less likely that I'm doing well. All right, people. When guys give you a short answer, dig in. There's more there. 
Okay. So I want to talk about your journey at Proximity because I found out recently both of y'all were gone, which was news to me. So I would love to hear just like to just kind of go through the journey for a moment. Um, How did Proximity get started? And Brian, I'm going to give that to you. Sure. So Proximity got started actually as a a combination of two separate companies in region, in the region. We're both from Western Colorado. Montrose is where Dennis lives and I live in Grand Junction. And so it's really kind of the origin stories of two organizations and then merging together because we were doing a lot of the same work. And even if you back up before that, uh, Dennis and I met each other at a startup weekend um, that was hosted in Telluride. So they did this like startup weekend in the mountains and a bunch of people went there and uh, it was re- a really important startup weekend for our region because there was uh what was the other company out of Durango that their founders met there? They had like a $300 million company that they built there. Our friend Mark Nogger, who runs the Greater Colorado Venture Fund, he went to the startup weekend there and then decided that him and his wife, Ashley, were going to move into town. And then Dennis, Nathan, myself all worked together. And and actually, when we left, Dennis kind of looked at me and Nathan and was like, we're all going to work together. I don't know, like when this is going to happen, how this is going to happen. But we're definitely, you know, our stars are aligning and we're going to do life together in the future. And, you know, then we we fast forward a couple years and I was uh, had moved back to Grand Junction. I grew up here and then moved back. And we started an organization called Launch Westco that was all about startup ecosystem building, there was like not a lot of startup activity uh, taking place in Grand Junction. And so we did tons of events and found 1500 entrepreneurs that were like living out of their basements and no one knew existed. <laughs> wow. And so it was like, what do we do with all these people? We were running, I was running a, a company at the same time. And and one of my co-founders, Josh Hudnall, was running a software development company at the, the time. And so we were like, well, let's get a co-working space. So we did a co-working space. Our friends from Montrose, Dennis and Josh and Travis, kind of mentored us through that whole period. We were looking for like, you know, all the questions, where do we go? What's the business model? Mm-hmm. What's the location? How big been? is it? Exactly. So they would drive down and and help us out, help us make decisions and really just supported us through that whole transition. And they had built a co-working space in Montrose um, and developed a, a door access system that was tied to billing for their co-working space. And so when we had launch, it was member registration, event registration, and then people could create profiles, tag their skill sets. Because what we were really interested in trying to do is inventory all the people that were in the area so that we could make better connections and stuff. And so we, when we opened our space, we ended up merging our companies together. And that was really kind of the, the origin of how Proximity got started as a software company and not just co-working spaces in the region. Anything I missed out on, Dennis? Oh, just what year was that? 2015, 16. Brian, am I getting that right? I feel like that's He's right. Thinking. That sounds right. <laughs> it's like it's a, when I when, when people ask me years, it's like a confidence interval I, question. I'm like I'm like 85 percent sure it's between 15 and 17. I've, I've been the, the COVID as we were talking about earlier completely has like messed up my time meter mm-hmm. internally. I'm very confused often about when things happen. And then you guys grew that pretty big, pretty fast, Dennis, and like. Like 2019, about what size were you guys at? So 2019, towards the end of 2019, just about 400 customers using Ooh. the platform. So great, you know, it might be more than that. So if if, if Josh Freed or or somebody at Proximity, you know, 
tells me mm-hmm. I'm incorrect. There's a possibility. But at that time, we were also, and the industry was growing really fast, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, once we cleared a couple of hurdles that had to do around you know commercial properties and using a, a door access or, or being a part of a larger commercial property and sharing door access, that accelerated as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. And, and then you guys had seven founders, is that correct? So yeah, I was about to say the so initially we had seven founders. And I think the only part of the story that that Brian missed was that we had a second uh startup weekend and we had it out of the the co-work space here in, in Montrose. Mm-hmm. And um his partner, Josh Hudnell, and, and Brian helped me and you know, Josh and Travis create that event. And that was a really big success and just continuing to grow the the awareness in our region. And uh, the funny part of that story, and the reason why I mentioned it is Josh Hudnall, I I said again at that event to Brian, because we hadn't, you know, really merged under one roof yet. I said, you know, we're, we're close. Like, you know, I thought we were going to work together a couple of years ago. We're definitely close. We're going to work together. And Josh Hudnall said, no way. (laughs) And I was like, I was, you know, cause he's, he's extremely talented and a very confident person. And he was kind of like, you know, they're on their mission. We're on our mission. But I think it was maybe six or eight months later, we had a meeting in Grand Junction with Josh Hudnall and Josh Freed. They were able to work out that involvement. Brian was always is Brian is always amazing. He's he's in and ready to go, right? Like mm-hmm. he's uh he's committed to to the ideas that he wants to support. And if those opportunities come up, you, you don't have to push too hard to get Brian to to be ready to work Jump. hard. He's he's pretty awesome. So well and I have to say as somebody that puts together events for the co-working world, I love that you guys kept coming together at events and ideating because people don't realize like so many businesses come together at Juicy. So many people get hired at Juicy. So many people get inspired Mm -hmm. at Juicy. Like these in-person things are really important. Um, So then don't want to dwell too much on the past, but real quick, Dennis, you left in late 2019, early 2020. What what led to your leaving proximity? Because you seem like super all-in guy. Well, I mean, in, in, in reality, the, the fact of creating a co-working space and, and software, creating a co-working space in Montrose and doing those events was my passion. Josh and Travis were my business partners in a, in a marketing company. And so, but they saw the benefit of, of trying to do that. And so I had this idea or this passion to try to open a co-working space in a rural area, a very rural area, less than 18,000 total in the total population in the area. Didn't really have a lot of people that were known for being remote workers in Montrose. So, and we had office complexes. So why did we need a co-working space? And I'm, I'm, I'll try to transition quickly to why I left, but I think this is part of it. So we we met with our, our local city and they were wanting to put together an incubator. And we said, well, you know, listen, in order for you to have an incubator, you really have to have smaller companies that need the benefit of, a, of an incubator and mm-hmm. companies, larger companies that are willing to, you know, contribute their mentorship or at least past mentorship, you know, mentorship from past businesses to be able to facilitate an incubator. So the first step, in my opinion, into that was a co-working space. Like you need a co-working space before you need an incubator. You need to see visibly who are the people that are trying to get started. 
And what are they struggling with? And then you can create a really effective incubator. So that all kind of culminated and came together. Fast forward to the story that we just told about all of us getting together. We realized we had a product. We put together a software. It started taking off really fast. We got 400 customers. Then the then the the off ramps started showing themselves of a company. And you know, I think to anybody out there listening, if you're looking to start a a startup or a business, one of the most important conversations that you need to have, and it sounds ridiculous, when you're starting is what's your finish? Like, where's your yeah. exit? And mm-hmm. I, I'd liken it to a road trip. Like you're all getting in the car. Your plan is to go to this destination, but some of you may want to either take a different path to get there, or some of you may want to get off and make a stop somewhere along the way. And if you don't talk about that in the beginning, it can really have a detrimental effect to the outcome of where what's going to happen on that road trip or who's going to, your, your friendships, everything else mm-hmm. that comes along with that. So knowing where everybody wants to get off is, is a really good idea. And so I, we didn't have that conversation and an important, an important opportunity came to proximity and proximity chose a, a different path. And so I think I'm pretty sure I could be open about this because it's all public and, and, and already mm-hmm. passed and happened. Uh, but our relationship with Office Depot, there was a conversation and they were interested and they were trying to decide whether or not they just wanted to be a strategic partner or whether or not they wanted to invest you know, into the opportunity. And my business partners had a different vision of how far the company could go mm-hmm. and where, you know, what they wanted in compensation for the work that we had done. And so that moment was the beginning for me because, you know, I saw an opportunity there and I was like, okay, great, cool. We can, this mm-hmm. is the baton moment to hand it off to somebody else to really take, you know, take it where we, we've brought it and take it further. Mm-hmm. And my business partners didn't see it that way. And so yeah. um, that was kind of like the first, you know, thought process. And then after that, it became really, really visible that the product was moving towards a more large commercial, you know, direction. And mm-hmm. I was still invested in the regional small business, you know, thought process and small business mm-hmm. development. And so I just thought at that moment, like, hey, we're, we're dividing paths here. And it's yeah. really important that I stay true to the things that I want to do. And I don't think that mm-hmm. that's in line with where the company's going. And so I let Josh Freed know, you know, I was leaving. And that was a difficult thing because at the time I was still a, a very large stakeholder in the company. Mm-hmm. And so Another reason to know when and who wants to get off where is yeah. because I don't I think that it made things difficult for a short period of time for for Josh and the board was to figure out like hey we can't just have this person with that large of a share mm-hmm. you know share stake in the company just walk off so yeah so that was an interesting conversation and and Josh handled it really well and the board handled it really well and helped me guide me through it because I hadn't really been in that position but yeah that was my sorry that was long winded but that was the reason for my my <laughs> well, leaving but I wanted to hear the story because I think it's something a lot of people can learn from, right? Like, I love that you're sharing that because it's not easy and it wasn't actually that long ago. I'm sure it feels like it was, but it was, it really wasn't that long ago. And that's a really good learning for the people listening. And then Brian, you left in 2021. And what was your impetus to, to leave Proximity? I think similar to Dennis, like I think the way that he was explaining the off ramp is a really good mm-hmm. way to think about it. Like when we really started, you know, I've always had a huge heart and passion for, you know, rural communities and and a belief that people can be successful regardless of where they mm-hmm. choose to live. 
And so we had the opportunity when we first started Proximity First, the reason that people started signing up is because we were able to consolidate so many different technology offerings into one package. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, and then our initial customers looked a lot like us, which were like rural, small rural spaces. Mm -hmm. And so we got to do a lot of work and consulting and um, supporting of those small communities, teaching them not Mm -hmm. just co-working, but also teaching them community impact and how to do all that stuff. And like, for me, that was always my favorite part of the job. It was always my favorite Mm -hmm. part of the work was, I mean, we built this online community, which you have a lot as well. You've got a community of Mm -hmm. co-working spaces and you, you really hear these people that, you know, running co-working spaces is not easy work. And there's a lot of hats that you have to wear, but the the impact that these men and women are having on their communities, the stories that they get to tell the the founders that they're helping, like it's just such fun, impactful work. And so again, as as companies grow and as they need to continue to grow, you know, some of that the customer segments that we were having to go towards, especially during COVID, when like everything yeah. got thrown up in the air and you're trying to have to figure out like mm-hmm. <laughs> where are we going to drive this car <laughs> next? You know, yeah. really shifted towards towards um, bigger clients. And I think that that's the right decision for a business to go get higher dollar clients and stuff like that. But it really changed a lot of the mm-hmm. the work that, that we were doing. And so my wife and I had moved up to Telluride. We were living up there and the, the co-working space that we were working out of closed. And so we opened our own co-working space in Telluride because we couldn't, <laughs> we were both doing the kitchen mm-hmm. table thing in a tiny little ski condo and uh, it just wasn't working. And so we opened a co-working space that was really set. This is kind of sets the stage for what we're doing now with alt space. Yeah. But it was set to be automated from day one. And, you know, as we started to do that, it just seemed like the right time. Like as the company's transitioning, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you when you make a commitment and you're going to start climbing a hill, it's not something that happens in 12 months or 24 months or 36 months. It's a long thing. You have to build new product. You have to go develop a whole new go to market strategy for a bigger client. You know, there's a lot of things that you've got to be ready to commit for several years to this new pathway that you're going to do. And so it just seemed like a good time to kind of transition from that. And it really wasn't the the initial work that we were working on. So it was a good time Mm -hmm. to kind of make that transition. This juicy podcast episode is sponsored by Office R&D Flex. Coworking chaos? Meet Office R&D Flex. Helping you to create seamless experiences for your co-working community with a suite of white-labeled apps tailored for your business. Let your members easily book rooms, manage their invoices, and collaborate with the community. Office R&D powers thousands of locations worldwide and supports the biggest names in Flex. Engage members, automate billing, and scale your space all in one place with Office R&D Flex. Visit us at officerd.com. We'll also have a link in the show notes. That's office, the letter R, the letter N, the letter D.com. Yeah. And so tell us about the product that you've developed now. Yeah. So now we are have a company called Altspace Coworking. And really what we've done is... The, the spaces are automated. So, 
you know, we have seven of them personally on the Western Slope that we've kind of been testing. And the question out of COVID was, A, does this model work? You know, co-working has always been such a highly relational business. And I know a lot of people talk about how it's a very, it's a hospitality business. <clears throat> and so the question is uh, that we would always face it, especially working at proximity and with a lot of small rural co-working spaces was the question of a viability and longevity of these businesses or, you know, how do you run these businesses that are not subsidized? Because a lot of the, the folks that we had were either government economic development entities that were subsidized by grants or mm-hmm. whatever. Right. And so I, th- I thought, you know, in the economic development work that we had done regionally, you would see with um, businesses being subsidized or organizations being subsidized, it's hard to create 20 year plans for those types of businesses because they're all on a grant cycle or, mm. you know, it's, you get a, a, the city gets a grant to open a co-working space because they understand the value of that amenity in the community, but then they lose the grant or the person that's, that got the grant now has another hat in addition to the 10 hats that they're wearing or whatever. And so there's a real capacity issue there. And so that was always something that really kind of bothered me was like, how do you do this thing sustainably? Because the impact that these spaces have matters. And if you don't build something that's sustainable, you're you're going to lose impact in three years when you lose the grant or whatever, right? And so it's right. like, how do you do this thing sustainably? So we started our first co-working space in Telluride, fully automated. And the question was, is this going to work? Are people going to be okay with it? So we were using kind of proximity as the backbone of it, mm-hmm. but then realizing that that technology helps automate a lot of the day-to-day activities. But what is still, what was required at that time was a space manager to help kind of bring people into the space, show them where they sit, all that stuff. And a lot of that we could automate through, you know, communication channels directly to the customer. And and by layering on that top that UI, UX UI on top of the technology, you could work directly with customers. And you know, the reason the timing worked was because we all lived in COVID and consumer <laughs> behavior changed so much yeah. during COVID. So people were used to touchless contact. People actually preferred that. The other thing that mm-hmm. changed during COVID was, you know, especially up in mountain towns, but I think everyone <laughs> deals with this is it's really hard to find good employees and it's hard to find employees that could live up there because the housing was, they have a big housing crisis. And so mm-hmm. by going automated first, we could guarantee that we were going to be open 24 seven. We could guarantee that people could get into the space and work with us. We didn't have to worry about whether, you know, we had friends that had retail shops and they were closing their doors because they couldn't find employees to run the shops and stuff like that. So that wasn't an issue for us. Dennis, uh, what, what did you want to add? Well, well, first, because I love you so much, I just want to let you know that Liz asked you the elevator pitch. And if we weren't going to the top of the New York Tower, <laughs> we would have lost her. But, but that, but the other side of that is that's how passionate Brian is. And that's yeah. the history yeah. behind it. While he was talking, what really dawned on me is you asked like, okay, what's the product that you have and, and what do you have now? And I started yeah. trying to think, what's the simplest way we can say it? Mm-hmm. And we're really the chat GBT to go on top of your software. Mm. Yeah. So we we've we've able we've been able to create a situation where like a one question input we can give a full response that has and, and maybe this is a good analogy since Brian just mm-hmm. gave a very full response to a short question right like we can give a full response to a short question and and tell somebody exactly what they need to do 
how they need to interact with, where they're, where the open desks are, all those things in a very automated fashion. So I think the easiest way to say it, and since people are becoming more familiar with it every day, is mm-hmm. we really are the automation, that, that automation engine, we're the chat GBT on top of a, of a co-working space. And well, so, and I mean, I think if I were to explain it from what I understand is you guys have developed a product on top of proximity that allows people to interact and seamlessly enter and join a co-working community without human intervention. And then that, then everybody is gasping that's listening and being like, what, how do you, how do you do that without a human? And how is that secure? So top two Mm -hmm. questions, how do you do that without a human? How is that secure? Are people still talking to each other? Yeah. Yeah. So I can answer. And then Dennis, I'd love for your feedback as you're you might just <laughs> refining everything and making it better. So you be the computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think what's what's really important is that again, I think in addition to making the business model more lean, without a human, we can continue to improve on getting people into the system, getting them online, getting them at the desk that they need to go based upon the membership that they signed up for and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. those are all defined processes that we've we've mm-hmm. isolated and then we can we can make it very clear and very succinct to the end user that needs to get in and working online. So Love that. I think actually using technology makes it better. And and then it's better for a hundred percent of our customers moving forward because we're we're leaning on that system versus, you know, different space managers are going to do a different job all the time. Yeah. Right. And ours is a hundred percent the same across the board and and always getting better. As far as community, I think one of the things that we've seen is that, you know, there there's those are two different questions. So one is about like, what if I want to do a space tour or what if I want to ask someone something or whatever? I think yeah, what we've time. learned yeah, I think what we've learned is that we can do all that stuff virtually or remotely. You know, I, I've, I've had a lot of calls where we just log into the cameras and I can walk someone through the space if they want to see it or whatever. The other thing is, you know, we have automated uh, email introductions. Hey, I'm the I'm the space manager or whatever. I would love to get to know you. We do like little 15 minute calls for new customers and we'll just mm-hmm. jump on a call. And then it's not that we haven't connected and engaged with that person. We've done a virtual, which we're all used to. And then when mm-hmm. we see each other in person, it's like, Liz, what's yeah. up? How are you doing? It's yeah. so good to see you in person. And I think, again, I think the the world has changed and really made that okay. And then I think the other thing is a lot of these folks are remote workers who are moving to these new towns and stuff like that. And so we can connect with them and send intros because we know who all of our members are and make introductions to people that have similarities and activities that they're wanting to well, do. And I think the other thing is that we sometimes forget is humans naturally are looking for a connection, right? Yep, when you talk to somebody, to yeah, you're like, where did you grow up? Like, you yep. know, we're like, oh, who do you know? Like, we naturally are trying to connect with each other. So I think it just like makes a lot of sense. And, you know, and if you listen to the podcast I did with Nick Clark, which I know you guys did, I did a space, a very large space that wasn't staffed daily. It's like the dirty little secret that people don't know. Now, Dennis, how are you guys addressing security? So it's a great, great question. I think, well, the easiest way to answer that is the doors are locked. So (laughs) somebody can't, somebody can't just walk up and Mm -hmm. open the door. There is a design that we've already created for the front doors or wherever that access is to alert somebody who's 
been there for the first time, this is how you get connected to us. This is how you, you know, get in touch with us. And then at that moment, we can let them in. And it's an active situation at that point. So to be very clear, the automation is the ability for them to become a member, sign up for their membership, get the tools that they need, understand how to use the space. That's all automated. That's something that typically in the past has been the primary you know, job responsibility of a community manager. Mm-hmm. We, we're not necessarily saying that we need to get rid of people. And since Brian said earlier, people are saying, you know, that it's a hospitality position. I want to make sure that the credit goes to Liz is starting <laughs> saying that this is a hospitality position and it really is. And it's a hospitality business and it really mm-hmm. is. But those things exist. So is, is it safe? How do you keep it safe in those situations? You know, we're not going to work with a co-working space that doesn't have cameras or that doesn't have a door access system. Got it. You know, that, that you don't have anything to automate at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So a big mm-hmm. part of what we do is, is being able to put all of those things together. Currently, we're only doing that with proximity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we would love the opportunity to try to do that with other software platforms and, you know, evaluate how they're doing it and create an automated setup for them nice. uh, awesome. and work together with them. That's, that's not, you know, a situation that we have an example of right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I could think of a couple of different companies off the top of my head, you know, that, that, that might work well there. Well, I think the other thing is people listening are going to be like, oh my gosh, that would be like a great thing for me. I could add a second location if I didn't have to to staff it full time. So I think you'll be getting some some calls that you may be able to find somebody to work with on that. And I hope you do. Yeah, I think perfect clients for us to work with and perfect situations are either spaces that are looking to expand and scale. Um, would be a good example, but mm-hmm. also spaces that are on the on the brink or on the border. Like this is a successful business, but my overhead costs are what are what I need to evaluate what I'm struggling with. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, that's the good indicator that, like, you know, do are you paying for a person? Because that's mm-hmm. that's a significant amount of revenue. If you don't need to pay a person, that can be mm-hmm. contributed back to the business enough so that it makes sense to keep it open. Let's put it that way. Well, so. yeah. And I mean, a lot of people are struggling right now. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things happening. It's, it's kind of a tough time again. So mm-hmm. I love that that's a, a potential solution that this industry needs, quite frankly. Okay, so we are almost out of time. So I want to go back to some human stuff. Um, but real quick, how can these guys reach out to you if they're interested in partnering with you from a, hey, we want to get this on our software platform. I love this idea. Or I want to go open a alt space space in my town. Yeah, so you can visit our website. It's altspacecowork.com. You can email us, altspacecommunity at gmail.com and, and reach out to us there. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to connect and, and learn more about your space, more about your situation, what you're thinking, and um, see how we could support you through it. Okay. There's a new world. Can they, can they DM us, Brian? Can they, de- <laughs> I mean, can they slip into our DMs? Yeah, <laughs> you can slip into our DMs. I know this is a podcast, but you probably just heard my gray hairs grow over the radio. <laughs> and I also said radio, so thank you. Yes, yes. What is that? Okay, so let's just take a hard right since we're doing the car analogy. We are swerving right, right now. Okay, take me back, Dennis. Where were you at 10 years old? in the world? Where were you living? Oh, man. Why do, it's, it's all the dark questions start over here. Um, <laughs> 10 years old, uh, I was living with a, you know, a single father, a, a, you know, a single abusive father in northern Georgia 
in the it's called Habersham County, just south of Helen, Georgia. It was in the mountains, pretty much alone. Wow! Uh, in a in a big house that my father was trying to build as a you know vacation property long before there was Airbnb and VRBO and everything else. It was right off the Chattahoochee River. Uh, but I spent a lot of my days. My close our closest neighbor was like two miles away. Mm. Um, I got let off from school with my bus and had to walk. Uh, this does sound like I walked uphill both ways back home. Anyway, <laughs> it was a dirt road, right? Mm-hmm. And it was it was a two mile walk back to the house. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. that was the benefit of there. It was very secluded. It actually had its own yeah. island because the river split on either side. Uh, but ten years old was not a great memory for me because yeah. I didn't I didn't have a lot of friends. I wasn't close to a lot of people. Obviously, that's what led me later in life to try to be involved in businesses that brought people around me. Yeah, I love uh, that. I feed, I feed off of other people's energy. Uh, quite a bit. So okay. yeah, 10 years old, so, not a great point, but, but 48, I'm doing a lot better. Okay. So <laughs> you, you get, you get one minute to go back and tell something to that 10 year old. What are you going to tell him? Man, keep floating down the river. There's, you never know what's, you know, what's around the next bend, you know, keep, keep, keep dreaming, keep looking, keep your eyes open, pay attention to what's going on. Like, it's just, it's such a big wide world and there's so much opportunity and so many things. And just like you do all the time, every once in a while, close your eyes and just listen. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to there's a lot to hear, and almost more to hear than there is to see. So I think that's what I would say. Excellent. It's um, it's funny that you said the floating down the river kind of thing because Kat Johnson and I often talk about being in kayaks. We both love kayaking, um, but we will also talk about sometimes you'll just be sitting in the kayak and it seems like you know the the water's fine and you just want to like jump out and create your own problem and flail around. And we're like always like our thing to each other is like, are you in your kayak? Floating, just float down. Down yeah. the river. You don't have to get out. Okay, Brian, take us back. Ten years old. Where were you? Ten what was years going old. On? I was living in Fruta, which is uh, basically Grand Junction, just west mm-hmm. of Grand Junction. My family moved us back here. Yeah, I I was always like I was like the kid that would talk to everyone all the time forever and always get in trouble. So you know, I've <laughs> no always been like raging extrovert, basically. So yeah, I would I would tell me keep doing that. Uh, you know, keep keep engaging with people. I think. The thing that I think has been good for me that I would encourage me to do is kind of similar as like experience as much as possible, you know, and if you, you know, I was always interested in business. And so I did like lots of internships and just really would try to take advantage and put myself in situations to see a lot of different things or, or to move and go experience different things, different businesses, different industries, different people. And, uh, you know, I think kind of in the same in the same boat like all of those experiences give you a better lens for for looking at the world and for being empathetic to people and you know so i think that that's that would be my thing is like say yes and uh try to experience as many different things as possible especially when you're young and you know being young is the best time to uh, take risks and to to try things right because you could you could try them for free basically so uh, <laughs> there's no I love that. You know, there's not really free. any risk when you're when you're young, so it it doesn't get easier as you get older. A lot of times, right? And so I think yeah. like the yeah. the younger that you can start to try things, the the more you should. 
Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome advice. And, you know, thank you both so much for, for sticking us in the car and taking us on this journey and, and walking us through some of the bumps you hit along the way and the the new exciting things you guys are doing together. Now I love watching your friendship. It's really cool. And thank you for dropping a lot of truth bonds today and being super real and fun vulnerable, vulnerable. Yeah, it it matters. And I think people are going to learn from this. And hopefully a lot of people are going to reach out to you guys and see if you can't help them out as well. I love your focus on rural communities and helping out entrepreneurs and founders. It's important work. And you know, that's why I do what I do, because I just think co-working is needed in this world. And I'm going to keep trying to help and support and grow it because it makes a difference. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. In some cases, it's a lifesaver. So Definitely. Definitely. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us and we will be back soon. Take care, y'all. And we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast.